Well, good morning again. And Merry Christmas. It's only eight days away. This is exciting. So my name is Steve, one of the pastors here, and I get to lead us in God's word this morning. We're continuing our series, Answering the Call. And I know some of you are just going to be distracted for the entire message this morning, unless I just show you my, my sweater here. So it says, Meowy Christmas. So raise your hand if you're a cat person. Cat people out here, okay. Meowy Christmas to the cat people. And the non-cat people, Merry Christmas. All right. So now we got that out of the way. So we're continuing our series, Answering the Call. And here's our Christmas-themed Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, boy, you got some clay. I'm making mom and dad a Christmas present. What are you making? An ashtray. Your parents don't smoke, of course. Okay, Michelangelo, you sculpt something. <laughs> so a question to open us up this morning. Do you ever, do you think that we ever try to give God what he doesn't even want? Do you think we do that sometimes? Yeah, I think so. So, okay, so here's a little personal uh, life experience story thing. So when I was a few years ago, when I was a few years younger. My dream gift was a super high-end gaming computer with a great graphics card. <laughs> so this, that was actually the 1990s. I was just about to finish high school, going to college. My friend had a Mac, and you know, this, the Mac set, this was the Macintosh, the new one. And he had um, a suitcase, so it was portable. That thing weighed like 50 pounds. And uh, I really wanted one. Do you know why I wanted one? Because I wanted good graphics so I could play Tetris. <laughs> so, but I, I didn't get one. What I got instead was this, an MS-DOS-based computer. Before Windows, anyone remember that? Yeah, so you had to, like, type in everything you wanted to do. You had to, like, give commands. And I don't know about you, but I just didn't like giving commands to a computer. I didn't know how. What, what am I supposed to type? I don't know. It was, like, easier just to write out my paper by hand instead of, like, figuring out how to MS-DOS tell it to print something. Oh, yeah, so I just dated myself, but that's okay. Um, I dated you, too, so that's Okay. So uh, here's a quote from C.S. Lewis. God doesn't want something from us. He simply wants us. And uh, I'll change a word on there. God doesn't want something from me. He simply wants me. This morning we're looking at the call of the shepherds in Luke 2, 8 to 20. So I'd just like to read this passage for us as we start this morning. So Luke 2, 8 to 20. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. 
you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So we're calling this the call of the shepherds, right? So I want to contrast and, and just read some, uh, some callings of others in the scriptures. So way back, Abraham, Genesis 12, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, go to the land that I will show you. The calling of Moses, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Calling Joshua. My Moses' servant is dead, therefore the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. The calling of Jeremiah. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. The calling of Jonah. Get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. The calling of Peter, follow me and I will make you fish for men. The calling of Paul, now get up, go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Now contrast that with the call of the shepherds. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Do you see the contrast? Like Moses and Jeremiah and Joshua and Abraham, they had these crazy hard things that they had to do, right? And the shepherds, go find a baby. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. The essence of Christmas, the essence of Christmas is not that God has a job for you to do. The essence of Christmas is not that God has some rules for you to obey. The essence of Christmas is not that God has some people that you need to help. The essence of Christmas is not that God has some things that you need to change in your life. And the essence of Christmas is not that God has some things that you need to give up. The essence of Christmas is not that God has blank that you need to do. Here's the essence of Christmas. The essence of Christmas is that God did something for you. Here's a verse from, uh, from John 1, 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The essence of Christmas is not that we have anything to do. The essence of Christmas is that God did it all by sending his Son. 
question we're asking this morning is how can I answer the call with a yes, he wants me? Do you believe that? That God wants you? That God became a man and the person of Christ for you because he wants a relationship with you? So we're going to look at the story of the shepherds in Luke 2 and answer this question. So number one, how can I answer the call with a yes, he wants me? Number one, by ordinary faithfulness to an extraordinary God. So verses 8 to 9. Let's read that again. And the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping the watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Ordinary faithfulness. Faithfulness in the small things. Look, look at this. It says, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock at night. So think, for, think with me for a second. What are, the, what are the shepherds doing? They're just doing life. They're doing their job. They're just doing what they're supposed to do. Nothing unusual. Just the daily humdrum of existence for them. Watching their sheep. What are the small things in your life? What are the small things that, that you're faithful to carry on and just keep doing for the glory of God in your life? Now, I don't know what those are. I can, I can tell you what mine, mine are. I'll share with you a few of my small things. This is a window into the life of Steve. So here's me doing my job. Here's me unloading groceries. Here's making, me making dinner, <laughs> eating dinner, and doing dishes after dinner. That's a French press, by the way. Anyone like French press coffee? That's the only way to do it, by the way, French press coffee. Um, and <laughs> fixing things around the house that break. And then, of course, the last one is being gracious to a friend when his football team loses really bad. <laughs> Here's a quote from Hudson Taylor. God is not looking for people of great faith. He is looking for common people to trust his great faithfulness. Are we a people who live our lives day in and day out, just the daily faithfulness, loving God, loving the people around us? In Luke 16, 10, Jesus says this, if you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with the greater responsibilities. Faithfulness. It's also being open to the big things, right? Openness to the big things. And look what happens in verse 9. So they're just doing their job, right? The shepherds are just hanging out with their sheep, taking care of their sheep, doing their, doing their job. Nothing unusual. And then, bam, an angel shows up. And the glory of the Lord shines around them, and they're filled with great fear. It's in the midst of of life. It's the midst of the daily things, of just doing the things well that God calls us to do, 
that God shows up in unique ways. And I think, what, what are those big things? I, I think a great summary is this. Allowing God to use me in his grand plan of redeeming a people for himself. And isn't that what God was doing on Christmas Day? The shepherds just doing their job, and then God shows up and says, Hey, I'm doing something big in redeeming people because the Messiah is born today. The Messiah is coming into the world. And is is that not true? That for each of us today, we have our own pockets of life, people that we interact with, that we have that opportunity to allow God to use us to continue to bring Jesus into the world, to redeem a people for himself. 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Paul is saying that we are ambassadors for Christ That is our job description. That is our daily life description. And sometimes God's going to show up in unique and special ways and use us to draw people to himself. And faithfulness is also fear of the Lord. Look in verse uh, 9. It says, and they were filled with great fear. Proverbs 9.10, fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Being, having a healthy fear of the Lord is a good thing. Charles Spurgeon says this, he who fears God has nothing else to fear. A healthy fear of the Lord is a commitment to his, to his lordship, to his kingship. Jesus, you are in control. You are sovereign over this world, over everything, and over my life. I trust you. I fear you because you are God. All right, number two, how can I answer the call with a yes, he wants me? By receiving the good news with joy. So let's look at verses 10 to 14. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Don't you love these first words that the angel says? Fear not. Fear not. J.A. Splendor says this, Fear God, yes, but don't be afraid of him. (laughs) What in the world does that mean? Contradiction! But isn't it true that there is the right way that we're supposed to fear? There is a way in which we are to fear God. But there is also a way in which we are not to fear God. And in what way are we not to fear God? Psalm 34, 8 says this, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who trusts in him. There's a healthy fear of God 
because he is God. He is sovereign. He's powerful. He's the judge. But there's a way in which we do not fear God because he is good. Because he blesses those who seek him and trust him. And so when we seek him and trust him, we can be confident that what he has for us is good. The essence of goodness and love. And look, look, what's, look what the angel says next. Fear not. Why? For behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. A cause for joy. Don't be afraid because I have news that should bring you joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Something kind of cool to recognize. It says there, for behold, I bring you good news. That, that word, that Greek word, is the word for gospel. I bring you the gospel. Good news. Of great joy. And that, that word great in Greek is mega. Don't you like that? Isn't that cool? Mega. Mega joy. Mega joy. Mega gladness. Mega happiness. You get, you get the idea that, that Luke is having a hard time expressing how much joy? The angel can't come up with words to communicate how amazing this joy is. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Three reasons for joy. So uh, you know that these three, these three words are my favorite to express the gospel, the reasons for joy. Forgiven life, fulfilling life, and forever life. Forgiven life because Jesus forgives us. Maybe this morning you are, you are especially needing this promise of forgiven life. And so I just want to encourage you. I want to share God's truth, proclaim God's truth with you that Jesus forgives your sins when you put your trust in him. And there's that wonderful verse in 1 John, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what Jesus does. And so if this morning you are just feeling especially sinful and broken. Can I just proclaim to you, not my words, not anyone else's words, but God's word, I forgive you, Jesus says. Forgiven life and fulfilling life, 
John 10.10, Jesus says, my purpose is to give a rich and satisfying life. And maybe this morning you're here and you're just thinking, I know there's something more to life than what I'm experiencing. And I want to proclaim this morning that Jesus is that satisfying life. Jesus is what you are longing for, knowing him, a relationship with him, being known by him, fulfilling life, and forever life. For this is how God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. We have that wonderful promise that though these bodies are wasting away and, and right, the older we get, the more we realize how true that is. <laughs> but we have this promise that we are more than our bodies. That we have life forever in the presence of God and that we will get new bodies. We have this promise. Speaking of promise, this will be a sign for you, the angel said. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Here's this promise that the shepherds are given. This will be a sign. You will find a baby. You'll find a baby. That's the promise. I think it's kind of cool here. The angel doesn't say, like, this is what you need to do. You need to pack up your sheep and you need to wander over to Bethlehem, and then you're going to find this. You're going to find a baby. This just, it just says, you will find a baby. It's going to happen. We have a promise. We have a promise that we have life forever with Jesus, and we have a promise that these bodies that are wasting away that they will be made new. We will have glorified new bodies. Here's a verse from, from a few verses from Romans 8. The future glory, our future glory. And we believers also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. And Christmas time, Christmas time for, for many is a time especially of brokenness. And sin and suffering that we that we recognize again and knew the, the brokenness of this world and of ourselves. Isn't that true that we, we long for our bodies to be released from this sin and suffering? And Paul continues in Romans 8, We too wait 
with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. And if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Are you waiting patiently and confidently for this hope? All right, number three, how can I answer the call with a yes, he wants me by responding with action. So let's look at verses 15 to 20. So the angels went away from them into heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. So God's at work. The shepherds just doing their their job, and then God shows up because he is doing something special. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven... And the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Is God at work in your life these days? Question, what is the Lord making known to you these days about what he is doing in and around you? In John 5, Jesus says this. So, so you know, throughout the, the Gospels, we read over and over again that Jesus does miracles of healing on the Sabbath. And the religious, le- religious leaders are just angry at Jesus for doing healings on the Sabbath because, because that's work, they say. So here in John 5, the Jewish leaders are harassing Jesus for breaking their Sabbath rules by healing on the Sabbath. But Jesus replies to them, my father is always working, and so am I. God is at work. Do you ever ever wonder if God's at work? Have you ever been in your life, have you ever had times in your life where you've wondered, is God working? Maybe right now, one of those times where maybe you're just going through some really challenging things. And you're questioning, is God at work? It's funny thinking about the shepherds. You know, shepherds, we all know this, right? Shepherds were not like the highest in the the social ladder of their day. They were the, 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 the pretty much the lowest job you could have. Uh, and, I mean, think about it. They, sheep smell, right? Sheep are stinky, and, um, and it wasn't, you know, not, not like the lawyers and the religious leaders. You know, they, they have the cushy jobs. 
The shepherds are just the bottom rung of society. They, may, they very likely may have been thinking like, just doing our thing, day in, day out, just trying to scrape by. This is bad. <laughs> that just came to me, by the way. But, <laughs> but just what, what a life. And then suddenly, God shows up. God's doing something. And isn't that the same for us? Sometimes we can wonder, is God at work? Is God doing anything in the midst of this craziness or hard stuff that I'm going through? There was a time when the shepherds were thinking that, and then the angels showed up. And priorities. The angel shows up, says this thing is happening, and then verse 16 it says, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They went with haste. They weren't even commanded to go anywhere or do anything. But they hear that God's at work, and they want to be a part of it. They have good priorities. And so they quickly go and find this thing that is happening. We might be reminded of Jesus speaking to Peter and Andrew. He says, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. And we see that over and over and over again in Scripture. God shows up. God is doing something. He invites us into that. And part of that invitation is saying no to other stuff. Saying no to the nets. For the, sheep, for the, for the shepherds, it was saying no to where they were. And I don't, did they take their sheep with them? I don't know. But they went to Bethlehem. They went to find Jesus. Henry Blackaby says this, watch to see where God is working and join him in his work. And then notice that they can't keep quiet. Verse 17, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. They couldn't, they couldn't shut up. They had to shout it out. We were made not just to believe the good news, but to proclaim it. There is such a special joy that we experience when we, in the relationships that God has given us, when we share the gospel, when we share God's love with others and, and experience God using us to draw people to himself. Here's a picture of uh, me and um, you might know Nate Cowsbeek. Nate is on staff here as an intern with the college ministry. And he and I go on campus at Folsom Lake College a couple times a week uh, to um, share Jesus with students. And here, actually, we've shown these other students how to do the solarium survey, which is a, it's a little spiritual survey. Some of you have done it out in our foyer at times. We have it set up. It's just a great way to get to know people. 
And so I just want to invite you, if, there's, if, if you have time, sometime during the week, and you would like to join me and Nate on campus at Folsom Lake, I want to invite you just to come and hang out with us, just one time. Just come and hang out and see how the Lord uses us, can use you to have spiritual conversations with students. All right, we're going to close with three questions. So question number one, how does it make you feel that God doesn't need you but wants you? Question number two, what does it look like for you to find joy in the good news of Jesus this Christmas season? And question number three, how is God inviting you to respond in action to his work around you these days? Closing quote from John Piper, we were not meant to be somebody, we were meant to to know somebody. And lastly, closing verse from John 17:3. Jesus says this, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Would you please stand with me as we close in prayer? Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning and worship you and celebrate your birth. And we see the shepherds here saying yes to being, being faithful, just in daily life, ordinary faithfulness. And we say yes to ordinary faithfulness. We see the shepherds saying yes to the good news. And Jesus, we say yes this morning to your good news. The good news of life. And we say yes to living in response to who you are and what you've done for us. We wanna respond with action because you are where life is at. We worship you and we pray in Jesus' name.